0: Everyday people provide the most inspiring stories. Welcome to Inspiration. I'm your host, Dylan DiGiovanni. Welcome back. I'm Dylan Giovanni, and I'm here to tell you that Dylan Inspiration is a podcast full of everyday stories of really inspiring people and some thought-provoking topics, all meant to inspire and encourage you on your path to become a better person to help build a better world. Thanks for being here. Hey everybody, Dylan here again with some Dylan Inspiration or Dylan Inspiration. And I have here today with me my friend Sarah. And she's gonna tell you about herself. Ahead, Sarah?
1: Hey, Dylan. Well, first, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm super excited to be chatting with you today. And so, I guess a little bit about myself. I'm originally from New Jersey. Um, and now I am living in Boston, Massachusetts. I've been here for the past three years and I'm working, I am the head coach at Achieve Fitness here in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I absolutely love what I do, and my biggest passion is to try and help people feel strong and confident in who they are and whatever that looks like for them through um, getting physically stronger as well. And so that's just a little bit about me.
0: fantastic. And you and I met i can't I can't remember when we met for the first time, but oh, something that folks want to know about us is that we are both from New Jersey and we both have the same birthday. <laughs>
1: Yes, we do. <laughs> right.
0: Are we both are we both lefties too?
1: No, I'm already.
0: You're already. Oh, okay. Darn. Um yeah. yeah. And I can't remember exactly when we met, but yeah, the the sharing of the birthday and just, you know, we, we share a lot of different things in common for sure. But um yeah. one thing that's really inspired me about you is your authenticity and how you it, you speak about things that a lot of people are dealing with and a lot of people are thinking about and feeling, but they really feel like they're alone. And the more Mm -hmm. you bring that stuff to light, I, I think, you know, I see people really responding to you and thanking you. And so I, I, and I feel like you do it in a way that's, like I said, really authentic and really gentle. And, you know, it's like, I feel like it's like an invitation for people rather than kind of like hitting yeah. people over the head with it. You know, you're yeah. you're really like inviting people into thinking, you know, and talking about these things. So I just, I, I love the message and uh, people oh, are really responding. You. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's great. And sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I go to your page.
1: <laughs> oh. oh, Dylan, that's like the best compliment I think I could get. <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you.
0: I do. I do. I really do. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I ins- I try to inspire a lot of people, but I have to fill my own well from time to time, mm-hmm. and you're you're one of those people. So
1: yeah, well, back at you, man. <laughs> thanks, <For real>.
0: thanks. <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's let's kind of jump in and and talk a little bit about um maybe some of the challenges that you've faced, and what what you do or or even continue to face. Like I'm kind of curious, you know, like
1: so. My biggest thing is anxiety. I 100%, um, I guess you could say, struggle with or deal with. And as you and I were just talking, and this is totally 100% true, is that I think everybody has feelings of anxiety. At one point in their life, there are other people who have it more often or tend to have more anxious thoughts and feelings. And there are you know, other people who have more debilitating issues with anxiety. So there's all these different levels of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily know that that was my thing until college. I had all of these symptoms, these body symptoms, um, getting sick. And I mean, physically sick, like throwing up or being very nauseous, losing my appetite, losing weight because of it. Um And I didn't necessarily know that my issue was anxiety until college. And then once I found that answer, it made so much more sense. And there was almost a bit of a relief there, just knowing that, okay, I can actually help a lot of this stuff. If I am creating all of this stuff with a lot of my thoughts, then think about if I can harness those thoughts for for the good. Um, So through therapy and through Talking a lot of this stuff out, I've been able to ha- create toolkits. I wouldn't say I don't like the word "recover" because you ask, you know, how I'm doing today. I am so much better. I'm I've haven't been in that kind of place in a very very long time. And but I grew this toolkit. So there's so many different tools that I learned that as soon as I feel any kind of anxious thought or feeling. I can go to that toolkit and pull something out. Um, and current day, you know, there's there's still times where I feel a subtlety of anx- anxiousness or an anxious thought or um, something that I think that I can see coming up in the future that I'm like, hmm, that might make me anxious. And I, again, have these tools to either decrease that those body symptoms or deal with it up front or, um, put myself in a, in an area where I feel in more control to prevent the anxiety. So it's not, it's never something that I think 100% goes away. Like, because we have life and life happens and life is stressful and we have, you know, anxiety around that stress, but there are ways that you can deal with it much better.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm curious what you think, Why you think with all the information that's out there today, why do you think so many people still think that they're alone or they're the only one or that somehow having anxiety or depression? like, Why do you think that stigma still persists?
1: Well, I think that when you're in it, and I'm also speaking on my personal experience because I've talked to other friends and other people who have anxiety and some of it, they share a lot of the same feelings as me. Some of it is totally different. So I'm just going to speak on my experience is that when you are in, in it, like in the rabbit hole of anxiety is extremely hard to see outside of yourself. So for me, it was always like I'm inside my head and I could feel when I was way inside my head and like not outside of myself. And I don't know if that makes sense to somebody without anxiety, but it just felt like there was almost this filter that I couldn't get through that. I was caught up in my own thoughts. Um, The other thing about anxious thoughts is that you're a lot of them are not logical. And you know that you, you can say, you know, I know that this is not a logical thought. Mm but you are still going to obsess over it and think about it and have anxious thoughts. It's almost like the, but what if I'm wrong? But what if, but what if, but what that, and you just get so caught up in it. Um, so it's very easy to think that you're the only one. Cause you're like, well, that person's saying this, but are they really, but am, is my thing different? Is that really the same? And it's just these so many questions. And I would say the other part of that is again, for me in my story, I had a very hard time listening to other people about anxiety sometimes because it put me down a darker and a a more of a rabbit hole. I like to like the, the anxietyness for me, I I call it like going down the rabbit hole. Like you can feel yourself like in a whirlpool, just swirling down the center and it's really hard to to get back back up. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was in that, if people were sharing certain experiences and even though if it was something that I had felt too, it didn't necessarily make me feel better depending on how they were sharing it. Um, When I was going through therapy, I would listen to these, these CDs that had um, group talks on it. And the way that they talked about it was much better because it was lighter. They would bring a lightness to it and I could handle that. But the levity in that moment was too much for me to handle. Um, So I think those things combined can still make it really hard for people to come out of. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I completely, I noticed that like in my own social media presence. Um, Mm -hmm. when I was, when I was sharing my own struggle, people were reacting and responding to it. And this is something you and I've spoken to, spoken about a lot, like, Mm -hmm. in our conversations um when I was sharing from a place of struggle and darkness like trying to relate I realized people were were relating in a different kind of way and now that I feel like I'm on the other side of substantial kind of a grieving process and like anxiety and despair and depression I'm sharing differently and getting a completely different response from people and I think what you just said really helps me understand why that is
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with sharing in that way. Cause again, there are other people who it might help and who they, mm-hmm. they need to know that somebody else is feeling that same thing in that way. And also when I'm outside of the rabbit hole, looking at those experiences can be helpful because I can, I can use that. And again, put it in my toolbox. So like, oh, wow. Like they really were there too. But it's mm-hmm. just, it depends on timing and when you're in it and what you're ready for. Um mm-hmm. there's I'm sure you know you know this that there were certain things that you weren't ready to deal with at at certain points. So Totally. totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's one of the that's one of the most challenging things is you so desperately want want to feel better, but it's like you can't rush it. You can't force it. You kind of yeah. just have to let it you know be there. It it kind of has a has an energy of its own or something. It's really it's really tough.
1: Absolutely. And the biggest thing with anxiety, I mean, I think the reason, one of the reasons why I've been able to help myself so much is my biggest aha moment. There's been there's been a few that have really helped me, but my biggest aha moment was my biggest anxiety was about anxiety, was about the fear of what anxiety would do to me, Um, and as as soon as I can stop that, like, again, if I just picture myself going around the whirlpool, going deeper and deeper, and if as, as soon as I feel myself myself starting to turn, it's like, oh, nope, wait, what is this? What's going on? Are you actually afraid or stressed or nervous or excited about something? Or is this just you had this, you know, slight body symptom, and now you think that you're basically going to die? <laughs> like essentially that's what it means like you're just going to keep swirling around this and then that I'm like oh it's like i come back out that filter is gone i've come out of the the rabbit hole i've come out of the whirlpool and i'm back in real life again it's it's crazy
0: mhm yeah i can completely relate to that um i think it and you saying that i think maybe it would be helpful for people because sometimes the antidote to to anxiety is just like surrendering to it like just allowing it but i think so many Mm -hmm. people are afraid to do that because they're afraid of like what you're saying of like that they'll be like they'll drown or they'll be consumed in it or they'll you know they'll kind of disappear when Mm -hmm. really sometimes just like surrendering to it you know just like allows it to go away yeah
1: yeah like honestly even you saying that like when i'm thinking back in of those thoughts that's a really insanely hard thing to do it is it is, a, it is a piece of the advice that was given in, in some of the therapy that I did is like if you are having a panic attack, you can let it happen. A panic attack will not kill you, you are going to be okay. And that is an option. Um, I think saying that and knowing that actually stops it and makes it hap- and makes it happen. if that mm-hmm. makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but the leap, it's a leap of faith. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but you are right yeah. in that it is really good to do things that make you feel a little anxious and live and know that you can live through it because that's how you get over it. That's the only thing that gets you over it is continuously doing things that make you a little uncomfortable because if you wait until you feel ready, you'll never be ready.
0: Definitely, definitely. What are some other things that you find – um, help you manage your, your, ang- your anxious responses to things? Anything like, I mean, you work out a ton. Do you feel like that yeah. helps? Like, do you feel like when you miss a day or if you miss, well, I don't even think you miss a day cause you're always, you're like so hardcore, but <laughs> no, you know, like do you <laughs> <it's> not, <laughs> say more about that?
1: Uh, yeah. So working out 100% definitely helps me and it helps me on two levels. One is that no matter what kind of workout and i don't even necessarily like to limit it to workout i like to almost expand it to movement so if you dance if you walk if you um do a sport all those kinds of things they're going to bring on a kind of um an endorphin rush because it it makes your body feel good there's actual there's an actual chemical hormonal level that is going to bring on these good feelings that make you feel good. The second part is that it's making you feel capable. So when, for me, I love lifting weights, and that makes me feel really strong. I, I used to love running, and that's I did a half marathon when I originally was kind of going through a lot of this therapy and some heavy anxiety stuff. And that made me feel really good, but I've found an even more – um even more relief with weightlifting because I can feel my actual self, you know, like lifting up something. It's just so much more concrete and it makes you feel so much more confident and powerful. Like, Hey, I can lift up that weight. I can put this above my head. I can pull myself above this bar and it, there's a whole nother level of confidence. That's so amazing to it that then also relates to real life. And so as cheesy as it sounds, if you if you simplify it to the most simple degree, it's like, if I can lift this up, if I can get one more rep, if I can get through this workout, then I can get through and anything else that hits me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think there's a, there's a lot more complex thoughts that goes around it, but in its simplest form, that's what it makes me feel. I would also say that food is huge for me in that I really try and make sure that I eat well, um, so it doesn't mean that you know I don't like I had a chocolate chip pancake yesterday, and I'm mm. not sad about it <laughs> or Those like, are my favorite <laughs> you know, yeah, like I had um you know, I also had i went to Mike's pastry for the first time, and I had a gluten free whoopie pie. I'm not sad about it, but I do try and avoid things that I know don't work for me, so gluten is a huge thing for me in that it definitely played a part in my anxiety. And some people are like, what? And think that it's kooky. And I don't really care because I'm not asking them to do it. It works for me. And so that's all that matters is that I've noticed that gluten has had a really bad response for me. And a doctor um, suggested that basically growing up, I had, like I, like I said, I had these nauseous spells and times of where I didn't want to eat and where I had really bad nausea. And again, where I even lose weight because of it. And it took me, I mean, I started these doctors visits probably when I was around seven or eight years old. And then it took me again until college, probably like 20, 21 years old for a doctor to be like, you know what, maybe you should try getting rid of gluten because you're having this similar response to what a gluten allergy would look like, try it out. And it definitely helped a bit. It really took away some of the edge, but I still didn't have control or I didn't have tools to deal with some of my other anxiousness. And I can tell that when I go back and have gluten, now it's not like one um, you know, piece of bread. It's like a little bit over time. It's like exposure over time to it that gets, gets back into my system. I tend to notice that I am more anxious. And so it's not worth it to me, whether it's in my head or not, it's not worth it to me to test it out and to really push through that because I just feel so much better for it. So food so, is another huge thing. Um, and just, you know, making sure that I feel good because if I eat more crappy food, I'm going to feel crappy. And then that can, again, start the whirlpool and that's, that's not fun. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm so glad you hear you say this because most people, I don't think, I mean, I certainly Never thought about this until I became a health coach. Like I never made. I used to have epic meltdowns, epic, and I thought I was a healthy person because I worked in health food mm-hmm. stores. But before I became a health coach, I never, I never made that connection. And um, so it's good to hear you say that. So I feel like the more that people say this from their personal experience, more people will get on board. And it's tricky though, you know, because so many people, when they feel like crap, they feel like they want to eat crap to make them feel better, which then perpetuates the cycle. Um, yeah. And I don't know that they even know that, that that that's happening. But one thing one thing I that you were saying, I wanted to ask you a question, um specifically around the movement thing. One of the things that people often struggle with is that they know that moving will help, you know, specifically w- with depression or anxiety, but like mm-hmm. how what's your advice for how to get people to actually get out the door? Cuz there's there's that gap between them knowing that it might help and then being able to literally get up off the bed away from the netflix and like get outside do you have any any advice for like what both as a coach but also for you personally like what works
1: yeah i would say scale it to wherever you're at so some people who are if you are in the depths of your anxiety and depression for you to say like i'm going to completely change what i'm doing and i'm going to go to the gym five days a week and i'm going to work out for an hour and it's going to be really strenuous that's probably going to be too much too quick. But if you can say, you know, I am going to make it a point to get up and walk 10 minutes every other day. That's a much more that's a much easier goal to look at and think about than going to the gym like a ton of times because you want to make those kinds of goals as easy as possible to accomplish. Um for me, I actually um I talked about this in a couple of other of my podcasts before. Is that I owned a Billy Blanks DVD, and <laughs> it was like a it was like a boot camp. It was like a silly boot camp. But I sometimes i i was I was also a really busy college student. I, you know, I had tons of classes. I had a job. I had an internship. Um, I had all these things going on, and so in like my downtime, sometimes I just felt so anxious. I was like, I don't know if I can work out or I had the energy to work out. So I would sometimes throw on this DVD and I would do it and I would feel better. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, it's not necessarily it's, the point of it or the goal of it doesn't necessarily mean mean like, is this the best absolute fitness that you can possibly get? You know, was that Billy Blank DVD the best thing that I could get fitness wise back then? No, but it got me up. It got me moving around it got me in a, in more of a habit and in a better place. And now I am at a place where I do want to work out more and I do look forward to a more strenuous workout, but I would just say start smaller and start with goals that seem almost too easy to accomplish and, and you'll get there because they build up over time. Mm-hmm.
0: Even if it's like a dance party in your house, it's a good place to start.
1: Totally. Something And something that you enjoy, something I hear people say all the time, too, is, uh, you know, oh, I don't run, or I feel like I should run, or I've tried to run. It's, it's all this thing about running. Mm-hmm. And my first question is, do you like running? Because if you do, great, awesome, go and run. But if you don't, then why are you doing it? You know, I'm like, running is not one of my favorite things. And mm-hmm. I think people are always surprised that as somebody who works in fitness, that I don't really run it seems it seems kinda of weird, but it's not my favorite thing to do. So why put myself through hell of doing that thing that is just perceived as like you should do this when I can get in my cardio or I can get in my movement and I can get out get in my workout and my training in so many other ways that don't require you to do something that you hate. One
0: hundred percent believe that. One hundred percent.
1: I know you're a runner, and that's totally fine.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because I used to, I was when I lived in the city, and it's crazy what a year, I mean, I, so first of all, I've got like a thousand books in my head, (laughs) and there's, I mean, there's definitely going to be a book, you know, about, or a chapter in a book or something about what this last year, what I've learned about um, physical fitness and I mean, I, it's crazy, but I mean, I, I literally couldn't run again. I was getting, I was like, I mean, I was tracking my results all the time and I was like feeling really good. It's not even like I was really running long distances, but I was running mm-hmm. pretty fast, especially for someone my age, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> who never had really been a runner. And now, you know, I, I have to, but you know, what's cool. And I, am sure you'll agree with me is what's cool is, um, if you do get yourself up to a, like having a pretty decent foundation, even if you do gain weight, or even if you do lose muscle tone, both of which I did. And if you do lose your endurance, it'll come back quicker.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So anything that you do that you build up, like you said, building that foundation is so important. It will absolutely come back. And so what you were saying of, you know, maybe not running as much anymore. That's another really important thing to know is that you might start off. With something that you think that you love, and you might find later on that you don't love it anymore. And it's okay to change what you're doing. Like I said, I, I used to run a lot and I used to do a ton of mud runs. And I think it would still be fun to do one now, but I don't really want to do a ton of running to train for it. So mm-hmm. I've just found new loves in other places, and that's completely fine as well. Like I said, there's way too many choices out there of things that we can do to move our bodies to do something that we don't like. Yep.
0: Yep. And often it's people trying to do the wrong thing that's giving them these bad results. And then they associate that, which is what you're saying. They associate that with all exercise, right? So totally. it's like, yeah. it's like find what you love. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I want to, I want to switch gears for a second and, and ask you another question. Cause something I've really loved about your message and your, and your inspiration is your focus on, um, different identities that you have and how people, your, your, uh, tenacity and trying to overcome limitations that people have put on you, or maybe that society Mm -hmm. puts on you. So do you want to, which I think is a very needed message of people. I feel like the more people of more identities keep saying this, then it's like, it's not one group that's saying this, right. It's like everyone speaking out about like, be your authentic original self, which all of us are. So what want to say more (laughs) about like what, what you've kind of faced or what you deal with on a daily basis or what you did and, and what, what you think about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I'm a very short individual and not, I'm not that short, (laughs) like really in the long run. (laughs) How short are you? I'm five foot one and three quarters, <laughs> which everybody's like, ah, you know you're short if you have to use the three quarters. But um, I used to say five two, and people were like, you're lying. So now I just say five foot one and three quarters. And growing up, I got teased all the time. I'm I'm also definitely like a, a petite person, so not only am I short, but I'm small and I look young. So growing up, I got teased because I was short and because I was smaller and it used to really affect me. And I, and I look back and, and I'm like, my God, why was I so upset at somebody calling me short? I think it's so funny. I think up until the time that I was about 13, maybe 12 or 13, I would get fairly upset about it. And then I think it was a conversation with my dad actually that really helped me. He, he said something about, you know, turning it around and making it your own and almost kind of making fun of yourself before anybody else could and, you know, not really letting it get to you. And then my mom was a perfect example of that because my my mom has cerebral palsy and walks differently and um, she would always say she used to walk funny. And, you know, she can always make jokes about herself. And if my dad and I make jokes about her, she laughs along with it. So I think those two things help me really see, you know, this is really silly for me to get upset about. And so now it's like if somebody makes fun of that or says something, I'm just like, it better be something good because I've heard all of them. You know, if you come <laughs> with a creative joke, I'm like, you know, touche, that's awesome. Um, there are definitely some other things I felt I, and I don't know that I felt this way in the moment, but looking back on it, I definitely can understand and identify what this overall feeling was. And I, because I love sports, I always did sports. I did volleyball, swimming, and track sort of a little bit. (laughs) And, you know, volleyball is definitely not a sport that a shorter person really would do. And so there were a lot of times that I felt overlooked. And, um, I actually got cut my junior year and I was beyond upset. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it was really just it was like, I felt like I, the person had stopped believing in me. It was like, they didn't even see a chance in making me better, that they were just like, this person's never going to be better. So let's cut her. Um, and so that like really hurt me. But then I came back, I was like, screw this. I'm absolutely going to come back. And I made a team my senior year, which was awesome. But I kind of sat the bench, bench a good amount. And then I also felt like going into college, I didn't really ever feel like sports were an option for me to play in college. And then I didn't realize how important sports and movement and working out was until I went to college at a place where we didn't have sports. I went to college at Pace university in New York city and at that campus in the Manhattan campus, there's no sports. Mm
0: -hmm. And so I
1: was around a bunch of people who that wasn't a part of their life and that wasn't important to them. And I felt like such an outcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I learned in that time. and, And again, that's when I had all this anxiety, I learned that, being active and loving working out and loving sports was a part of my identity and who I was and what I needed to do and needed to be around people who understood that and wanted to participate in that as well. Um, So yeah, and now I'm in a place where I get to participate in that identity all the time. I I'm around people who get it, who want to be active, who want to play sports who know how important it is to me and how is it how important it is to them and make it a part of their daily life. And it is so freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in terms of being small now, it's so freaking awesome because in the world that I'm in, I have so many people who support me and so many other people who are my size or smaller who have done seriously badass things. So I have people who I look up to and I have other people who will say, you know, I really look up to you and what you do, and it's this circular effect that is just—it's awesome. So, it, you know—growing up was it kind of annoying or rough, or I still always wish I'm like, ah, oh, man, what would what would it be like to be like six foot? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's—it's it made me who I am today. My best friends would always say that you know you wouldn't be who you are if you weren't short, <laughs> if you weren't mm-hmm. this size. Mm-hmm.
0: It's true. It, it definitely it adds to your story, you know, and inspires people. You know, I just I just feel like the, we never really know how we're inspiring people. We we never really know who we're reaching or who we're touching with just be, being who we are, um, and so. You know, and you and I both know there's probably tall people that are like, oh, I wish I was five, one and three quarters, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's like the <laughs> yeah, grass is always they're like, oh, I could do all these other things if I wasn't so lanky or whatever, you know, it's just like we always want what we don't have kind of thing. Um,
1: oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I I tend to gravitate towards tall people, too. <laughs> so like my two best friends are six foot and five foot ten and have tons of other friends who are, you know, like five foot eight and taller and Mm. they, they do wish that sometimes they've also grown to, into their own stuff too. I remember when we were younger, they were like, why am I so tall? You know, none of the boys like me, the boys all think I'm weird because I'm super tall. And now, you know, the, my six foot friend, she's looks like a freaking model and she's so gorgeous Mm. and she owns it. And, Mm. you know, my other best friend, she is like super athletic and just is unafraid to be 100% who she is and doesn't give a crap about her height and you know I think it's just often awesome. we definitely change as we get older like there is always that grass is grass is greener on the other side but then you know if you can grow into it and accept that then you can do a lot with it.
0: Mhm. Yep. So I'm curious what what's next for you? Like what are you what are you what are you thinking about? Like, do you have like a five-year plan? Like when people ask me that, I'm like, uh, <laughs> depends on the day, but do you, I mean, do you like, do yeah. you, like, what are you, what are you thinking either next for you, um, personally, professionally?
1: Just yeah, curious. I have a, I have a couple things in mind. It's It's funny, this five-year plan thing, because when I was first asked to do that in a actual real setting was at my. Job where I am right now, and it was right after about my first year, a little over a year of working there, and my life had kind of just turned upside down. I had ended a, uh, well, a relationship that I was in for a very long time ended, and kind of I was like, five years now to me is gonna is so different than what I thought it was gonna be, and it gave me like so again so much anxiety, <laughs> mm-hmm. but. Writing that down made it so much clearer for me of what I actually wanted to do. So I sat down and was like, okay, I can picture what I want in a year or two years. And these are the things that I kind of want. And then I was like, okay, well, from there, what do I want in maybe two to three years and then three to five years? And then I could see all these things written out. And now I actually rewrite my five-year plan about every nine months to a year. So it's about time. Um, I was actually just thinking about redoing it sometime soon. And so a couple of things that are on my list right now is I want to grow my podcast as well. And I am looking to start my own website for it and do a little bit of um, branding for it, kind of looking into that as well, just to grow this message that I'm trying to get out. And to, hopefully, the goal with that is I want to I reach as many people as I can. And, you know, you and I were just talking about this before, that having conversations with as many people as I can who I think have a story to tell and who I really enjoy wanting to talk to um, yeah. and just spreading, spreading that. And then, hopefully, I'd really love to, in the future, do speaking engagements. Um, I was recently – I recently went back to my – old high school and spoke there a little bit and that was really cool and I've done a couple of other people's podcasts which has been super fun and very interesting to be on the other side as well Mm -hmm. and I hope this kind of continues and I would love to really keep practicing this um so anytime I get a chance to speak whether it be small or big, or short and sweet, or longer. I just try and think of it as I'm practicing and getting better for for the future.
0: Hmm. Well, that's great. And I just want to thank you for for being a really positive person when I was kind of going through a period of my life where I really needed that. And since the day I met you, you've always been that. And just wanted to thank you publicly for for Aww. being a presence because. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it really meant a lot to me and um it just to see your smile, you know, and just to every interaction we had was always very positive and very safe. And I, I don't know that I ever told you how much I appreciated that.
1: Oh, Dylan, you're gonna make me cry. You
0: can cry, <laughs> you know, and it and I think most mostly it's that it's like that's just who you are. You know, it's not even like you know, you you you're just very reliable for just being a very honest, kind person. So.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I I really appreciate that. I mean, that kind of feedback just I I don't know how can you not feel good. <laughs> so, <laughs> well good. Well,
0: good. Good. I can see your smile in my mind's eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I'm it's it's very easy to make me smile, but that kind of stuff, I'm like I'm cheesing big time.
0: <laughs> good. Well, anything else? Oh, you know what? I well, as before we wrap up, let's get uh, contact info. So I'm sure that folks are going to want to follow up with you. Maybe for if they're in the Boston area, they want to come be your client. <laughs> you can coach them. You know, they could come to the gym, or you know, just even follow up. Maybe be on your podcast. So, what's the best way? What What do you want folks to do to contact you?
1: Sure. Well. I would say that actually the best way to follow me is on Instagram. It's where I've been most active and putting out a lot of my messages and promoting my podcast as well. So my Instagram name is my name. It's Sarah Palacco, spelled S-A-R-A-H-P-O-L-A-C-C-O. And then if I work at Achieve Fitness Boston, it's in Somerville, area. Um, So if you want to come on through and take a class or come on in and be a member, that would also be awesome. And then if you want to check out my podcast, it is called Purposeful Strength. It's currently on SoundCloud and iTunes, but I'm looking at branching out to other platforms. So for right now, that is where I am. And if you have anything that you want to message me or, um, email me about, I'm happy to answer through email. And again, it's just my name, Sarah Polacco at gmail.com.
0: Great. And I'll take all that from you and put it in the show notes so folks can awesome. see it too. Yeah.
1: Great. Sarah,
0: Sarah, thanks so much. It was really great Thank conversation. So much,
1: Dylan. Yeah, of course.
0: Okay, Cool. Have a great day.
1: You too.